We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash lawless. Just go to Indeed.com slash lawless right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed com slash lawless terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed hello sunshine i'm alexi lawless and welcome to the state of the union podcast presented by state farm uh we are coming to you live once again here from doha qatar site of the 2022 fifa world cup day four in the books and uh, lots to talk about Another day of four games, another day where yours truly was working four games, which meant that I had very little sleep last night. But you know what? As I, tell you, as I said before, best Groundhog Day you could possibly imagine. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I can't wait for tomorrow for another four games. But let's get to the games that we had today. I should mention, uh, if you're uh, just listening and you're not uh, watching, uh, our friend David Mossy continues to work very, very hard. He's told me that he thinks he's going to join us tomorrow. It remains to be seen because he is a incredibly hard worker and he's being pulled in a bunch of different directions. So he won't be joining us here tonight. It will just be me. I know you're going to have to do. Uh, I miss him too, but he'll be back. Don't you don't don't you worry. Uh, come back to me. Come back to me, Mossy, and he will. All right, let's get to the uh, the games uh, right off the bat here. Uh, we had talked last night about how in the previous World Cup there was um, what'd you say, Sean? There was one zero zero game in the uh, in the entire uh, World Cup. So one zero zero game in the entire 2018 World Cup. We've already had a bunch of them here, and it's that's not a good thing. All right, boo for zero zero games. We want goals uh, and we want entertainment. So. We get ourselves a zero zero game here when it comes to Morocco Croatia. It wasn't without entertainment, but. It was 0-0, and this is a game that is obviously featuring the runners-up from four years ago, Croatia. Can they recapture the moment? I was not impressed with Croatia, and I certainly wasn't uh, impressed in a way that made me think that they are going to go on yet another magical run. Keep in mind, in both times uh, that, uh, if I remember correctly, that Croatia has won their first group game. They have gone on to the semifinals of uh, the World Cup, if I'm not mistaken. But let's get, to this, let's get to the meat. Let's get to the good stuff here, all right? If this is this buffet that you can you know, pull up and eat as much or as little as you like, let's get to the, you know, the prime beef and the shrimp and the lobster down there that everybody likes to go to. All right, uh, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to start with Germany, D- Japan, okay? Now, we came on air today, and we talked about Germany. Germany coming off of a incredible, incredibly bad World Cup last time around, and looking to kind of rejuvenate and looking kind to reaffirm and reestablish themselves in the order out there. And I thought that they were going to do it. They still may do it, 
But if this is any indication, then both Germany has some problems and on the other side, because you don't want to shortchange uh, these, uh, these teams that pull off these quote-unquote upsets. How about Japan? How about Japan coming into the World Cup here and beating Germany in the first game? And you saw it once again that anything evidently can happen here in this brigadoon that is Doha and the World Cup. They were going nuts. It also, given what happened with Saudi Arabia, kind of makes us feel a little bit better about what happened uh, in the lead-up to this World Cup. When I say we, I mean the United States men's national team in the loss and the tie to uh, Saudi Arabia and uh, ultimately to, uh, to Japan leading into this World Cup. And we said, oh, my goodness, woe is me, and the sky is falling. Well, it ends up that uh, even though we didn't have our full team and even though we didn't play very well, it was still against evidently some pretty good teams that they can both come in, and Saudi Arabia beats Argentina yesterday, and today we see Japan beat Germany. Now, I'm not crying for the Germans, and there is plenty of a pathway for Germany still to get it in order. And maybe, like we said yesterday with Argentina, maybe this is the kick in the ass that they needed. We'll, 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 find, we'll, we'll figure that out. I will, you know, a special shout-out to Asano, uh, who came on, on as a substitute. Both substitutes actually came on and scored. And I think we are seeing a trend here in this World Cup. And maybe it has to do with the extra players. Maybe it has to do with the extra substitutions that, uh, that has been implemented for this World Cup. But the ability for players, or excuse me, the ability for teams and coaches to make changes, either within the game or even more importantly, at halftime, and fundamentally change the course of the game, we are seeing a lot of that. And we saw it here in the, in the Japan game. Germany goes up. Everything it seems they're fine. Gundogan scores a goal. We're going to cruise. Germany is going to German again, right? Not so fast. Changes made at halftime. Substitutions come in. And both substitutes uh, go on and score. In particular, I want to mention Asano, who just, if you watch this ball over the top on a set piece, route one, but there was a lot of work to do. And he takes this ball over his shoulder, and his first touch is absolutely mwah, chef's kiss. Puts himself on the run, but then there's still a lot of work to do. And ultimately, he says, you know, Manuel Neuer, you might be the one of the greatest goalkeepers in the world, but I am going to bang this thing near post in the upper 90. And that's exactly what he did. It ended up being the winning goal for Japan. So congratulations to Japan. They start off this World Cup on a huge, huge high and positive note beating Germany. All right. I mentioned that I don't like zero zeros, and nobody likes zero zeros. We want goals, right? So who do we turn our attention to? Spain. Now, Spain is still in transition right now under Luis Enrique. This is still a team also that even at its height, it's not as if they just crushed all, all uh, opposition and scored a bunch of goals. So I didn't have high hopes for a lot of goals, although I do have high hopes and did have high hopes coming into this game for Spain against Costa Rica. Costa Rica, while they had a wonderful second half uh, in the octagonal, and which enabled them to get to the playoff game, which then enabled them to get to the World Cup, this is, this is not the Costa Rica of old. This is a Costa Rica that is long in the tooth, and this is a Costa Rica that is coming into this World Cup just happy to be here, and, in, and to a certain extent making up the numbers. And it showed. This Spanish team is for real. This Spanish team, though, I think pays homage to what Spain has created. And Luis Enrique will be the first to tell you, this is how we play regardless of who is on the field. And he comes from that 
you know, a, a, a thousand cuts or a thousand passes to ultimately kill you. And ultimately, at the end of the game, there was more than a thousand passes. But the difference was that th this is possession with purpose. And this is a possession with a ruthlessness that resulted in seven goals, right? It was seven nothing, uh, Sean. I want to make sure. Okay. Oh, seven nothing. A, a, a touchstone and the, uh, the extra point, if I got my football uh, facts right there. So. Congratulations to uh, Spain. And like I said, this is still a work in progress. They still don't have a traditional number nine striker up top, but they don't need it if they're going to play like that. The amount of possession that they had and then to pick and choose those moments where they were just lethal and ruthless, like I said, in making Costa Rica uh, pay. Now, having said all of that, Costa Rica is horrible absolutely disgraceful. And it was a disgrace not only to Costa Rica, but as a disgrace to CONCACAF because we are sending those teams. They might as well go home at this point after, after what happened. So uh, lots of goals. I like lots of goals. That was great. That it happened against Costa Rica in that way, not a good look for Costa Rica or for CONCACAF. All right. Let's get to what I feel is probably from a CONCACAF perspective, and I guess from a soccer perspective, you know, the best game. And even though it didn't have a lot of goals, I really, really enjoyed the Belgium versus Canada game for a number of reasons. Um, my friends to the Great White North are back for the first time in the World Cup after 36 years. I've told this story before, but it bears repeating. If you're just new to the State of the Union here, you know, you're, this, will, this will be something new for you. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't, but I'm going to tell it because I got the microphone and you can't go anywhere. Well, you can, but if... I'll still be here telling it. So back in 1986, I was a 16-year-old teenage punk, right, playing on uh, some travel teams out of uh, Michigan. And that summer, we had the incredible privilege, and uh, we were very fortunate and lucky to go to Colorado Springs, Colorado, for what's called the Pikes Peak Invitational. It's one of those big tournaments. You play a bunch of games day after day after day. It was during the World Cup, obviously, in 1986. And that World Cup, the U.S. did not have a team in it, for those that don't remember. But... I had my adopted team. Growing up in Michigan, obviously with our closeness and affinity uh, with, the, uh, with our friends across the border there in Windsor, Canada, I, I followed a lot of hockey. Canada was my team. And it was the only team that I had in the World Cup. And I vividly remember going into the lobby as the World Cup turned on and sitting there in the Holiday Inn in Colorado Springs and watching the 86 World Cup. And Canada was my team. I did not realize at that time it was going to be 36 years later before Canada was going to be back in the World Cup. Canada gets back in the World Cup, cruises through the octagonal when it comes to CONCACAF qualifying, and they are back. And I got, I got goosebumps. Listen, I'm, 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 I'm going to stand for the U.S. Everybody understands that. That is my team without a doubt. But my second team and continues to be my adopted team my friends from the Great White North. It was wonderful to see them walk on the field again. It was wonderful to hear them sing "O Canada." It was it was just wonderful. There were there were tears, there were emotion. Then this was the culmination of a lot of work. And as I said on air when we we're doing our uh, our Fox shows, this is a moment of pride. This is a moment of pride for North America. This is a moment of pride because of all the connections that we have, both soccer and cultural, with, uh, with Canada. To see Canada walk on that field, I took pride because Canada is also part of this ecosystem that exists when it comes to soccer. And as I said, all of the connections we have, including Major League Soccer, by the way, which is incorporated in both of these, uh, both of these, uh, these countries. And it was fun to see. And that infrastructure has helped create this group, the MLS connections when it, when you look out on that field are undeniable. 
and everybody should very, be very, very proud of seeing this Canadian team play, even before the first whistle. Then the whistle blows, and John Herdman comes out with a Canadian team that says, nah, we're not here to make up the numbers. No, we're not just happy to be here. We're going to come out here, and we're going to punch first before we get punched in the face. And who are we going to do it on? We're going to do it on the number two team in the world in Belgium. And my friends, 90 minutes later, even though the scoreline said 1-0 and Canada lost this game, Canada was by far the better team. It is a beautiful game, but it is a cruel game sometimes. And Canada is going to look back and say, after all that we did, after all of the possession that we had, after all of the creativity that we showed, after all of the opportunities that we created, we only come out of here and we lose 1-0 to Belgium on a on a direct ball right over the top, over the gut to, to Bashuai, who ends up scoring a goal. That is a cruel, cruel result for Canada. And, my friends, you got hosed. You got hosed, Canada, in terms of the VAR. Because, yes, you got your penalty early on, and the soccer gods smiled upon you. And that's a big miss, literally a big miss when it comes to Alfonso Davies, who stepped up to take the penalty for some reason. But if you're going to step up, you got to make it count. And I know you're all going up against a very, very good uh, goalkeeper in uh, Thibaut Courtois, but you got to make that count. And you put that in, and the whole dynamic changes. You missed it, but good on all of Canada because they didn't let that get them down, and they continued to press, continued to have the ball, so much so that they got hosed. There should have been yet another penalty, which would have given them another opportunity to score a goal. But... Belgium just kept hanging around, hanging around, hanging around, and certainly not looking like the number two team in the country, or in the, uh, in the world. And then they got their goal, and then that was it. But after 36 years coming back in the World Cup, if that's the type of performance that you are going to put up, you did, you did your country proud, you did CONCACAF proud, you certainly did yourselves proud. And I was proud, even though I'm just a kid from the United States, and I think back to that 16-year-old back in the summer of 86, it made me incredibly proud to watch my friends from the Great White North and what they did in that game. There is still a pathway out. I think they made a lot of fans tonight in terms of the way that they played. Ultimately, I know that this is about results, and that's ultimately what matters. But there is the romantic in me that looks at this Canadian team and says, that's the way the U.S. should come out and play against England on Friday. Don't back up. Don't be pragmatic. Be romantic. Be expansive. Risk. And if you're going to go down, go down swinging. Because Canada, in this game, they went down swinging. And that is a credit to them. It is a credit to the nation. It's a credit to the mentality that they had. That they said, it's not good enough. It's not good enough to just bunker and just be happy to be here. We are going to take it to you before you take it to us. And they did it, and they didn't stop. Congratulations, Canada. Even in a loss, congratulations. You, de you deserve it. Um, I continue to do my, uh, my top 10. I'll get you uh, an updated top 10 list later on uh, as we continue to put out, push out the content. We will continue to do these back and forths uh, that we do. I really appreciate everybody that is interacting uh, with us here. Um, whether, it's, uh, whether it's online or in person, we meet so many people that are coming to our set here in Doha that are here for the World Cup, and it's just fun. I have a running list of all the states that I, that I, I checked off Wyoming today. I swear to God there was somebody from Wyoming that was visiting Doha for the World Cup. So it's, a, it's just it's an amazing thing. Again, uh, please continue to write and to uh, rate and to subscribe and to review and do all the different things that you do uh, downloading this, uh, this podcast, whether you're watching it live, whether you're watching it after the fact, 
back, whether you are just listening to it, it means so much to us that you are even part of this. And by the way, we continue to bring so many people into the State of the Union tent as we as we go through this uh, this World Cup, and it's wonderful. It's warm. It's welcoming. It's a fun place to be. Whether it's myself or, or my good friend David Mossy, we are so appreciative of everything that is happening in front of the camera and all of the men and women that are working behind the camera to bring you this type of content. Um, we will talk again uh, tomorrow. Another day is upon us. Uh, before we know it, we got Brazil. We got Brazil. And we have a Portugal with all of the drama going on with Cristiano Ronaldo. So don't go anywhere. There will be World Cup. Uh, that World Cup buffet will continue to be open starting tomorrow. We'll add some more lobster. We'll add some more of that steak. And we'll add some more buns because everybody likes buns, right? And pull up a chair and eat as much as you want. Or as little as you want. But I want you to, I want you to eat. I want you to eat a lot. Because, especially because let's, let's feast. Tomorrow... All right, and we were recording this on Wednesday. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving, and we will have a Thanksgiving party here as we watch the soccer. All right, we will see you next time. We will hear you next time. And until then, and as always, by the way, this is the State of the Union presented by State Farm. And as always, now I'll give it to you, my friends. Size the day. <laughs>